I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Programme. Arsenal versus Newcastle United, Tuesday, 3rd of January 2023, kickoff 7:45 p.m. The contents, captain's notes around Arsenal, sustainability, player feature, holding, foundation voice, minute detail, community voice, academy young gun, Hubert Gratchik. Round the Academy. Women. Visitors, Newcastle. Match action, Arsenal versus West Ham. And teams. Martin Odegaard, Captain's Notes. Doing these match day programme notes before our game against Brighton, I want to start by wishing all of our supporters a very happy new year. It's been a bit strange for me playing these games over Christmas. I was always used to being off at this time of year before coming to England, but I have to say the atmosphere and hype at the games at this time of year is brilliant. The Emirates was absolutely rocking on Boxing Day for the West Ham game. It was an absolutely special feeling to be part of it in the stadium. We've been really focused over the past few days. The rest of the country was in Christmas mode, but we've been training, working hard every day. We need to stay professional and do all the right things with these important games. Also, just before Christmas, all of the squad, from the men and women's teams, were involved in visits to hospitals and community projects. I was at the hub at Emirates Stadium with a few of the other players, and it was really nice to spend some time with the kids there, sign some autographs, play some FIFA with them. We also coached their indoor football sessions and watched them play. It was a fun time and hopefully we made some good memories. That was really enjoyable for everyone, and so was our game on Boxing Day. I think we definitely deserved the win against West Ham. In fact, I thought we played well in the first half too, even when we were behind. At half-time, we said to each other to just carry on playing and keep doing the same things. In the first half, we just lacked a goal, and they scored out of nothing. We played well and then got more space in the second half. They were tired in the end, so overall, it was a brilliant performance from us. We managed to keep up the momentum from where we were before the World Cup break, and for me that was down to the work we did during the break. We had a few players at the World Cup, but the ones who stayed have been working so hard. We had a really great training camp in Dubai, 
Some good games there and some hard work. I think everyone is hungry to come back and prove that we're good enough to be where we are by working hard and showing a lot of commitment to the club. Personally, I felt good against West Ham, but I felt the whole team was good. I had some more rest than other players, not being in the World Cup, so I think I've used that in a good way, and I felt good. I was happy to have a couple of assists too. I have to say, I thought the third goal especially was a great goal. The whole build-up was good, and the way Eddie turned in the box, and the finish, brilliant. I was really happy for him to come in and do a performance like this. I'm so, so happy for him, and hopefully we'll see even more from him now. Whatever position we are in the league, we know we have to keep humble and just focus on ourselves. The only important thing is the next game, and today, that's against Newcastle. They've obviously been in great form this season, but even last season they showed a lot of quality. We had a really tough game against them at St James's Park last season, and I think Eddie Howe is a really good manager. They have quality throughout the team, a good mix of physical and technical players, and that explains why they're so high in the league. That gives them confidence too, and it will be interesting to see how they get on during the rest of the season. Our defeat against them late last season was definitely one of the worst days we've had in recent seasons. It was the day we missed out on the Champions League. It hurt, and I'm sure we won't need any more motivation going into this game. Everyone will be aware of that and really looking forward to this one. We're fully determined to show a different side compared to that last game. We know that we can count on you all to be part of that too and to get behind us. We really appreciate and love that support and connection. It makes a massive difference to us, so we can't wait to get back with you all again today. Enjoy the game. Around Arsenal, Emirates in 2022. We wrapped up another year at Emirates Stadium with a 3-1 win over West Ham United, our 16th victory of 2022, from 22 games in all competitions. We drew just once and lost the other five. We scored 46 goals, including in each of our past 15 matches. Our top scorers were Bukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli and Eddie Nicotia, with six each, followed by Martin Odegaard, Gabriel Jesus and Granit Xhaka, three each. Brighton and Liverpool beat us twice, with Manchester City inflicting the other defeat on New Year's Day. Our biggest home win last year was 5-0 against Nottingham Forest on October 30th. We have won each of our past 10 Premier League home games, stretching back to April. It's the first time we've put together such a run at home since April 2019, and the first while scoring at least twice in each game since November 2017. Today's match is our first action at the Emirates this calendar year. We have only twice previously lost our opening game of the year here, both times to Manchester City, 2013 and 2022. We have once before kicked off the year at home to Newcastle, winning 1-0 on January 2, 2016, thanks to a Laurent Koscielny goal. Edu's new role. Last month we were delighted to announce that Edu Gaspar has been appointed as Arsenal's first ever sporting director. Edu's promotion sees him assume overarching responsibility for all our academy activities, in addition to his existing responsibilities across men's and women's football. Chief Executive Vinay Venkatesham said, 
We are delighted that Edu is recommitting his future to the club that he so clearly loves, after making such a positive and critical contribution to our progress in his time with us so far. Edu's promotion formalises his already growing influence over our academy operations, and we look forward to Pear and Edu working together to strengthen the integration between our men's first team and academy yet further. Edu, a member of our Invincible squad, who rejoined us as technical director from the Brazilian FA in the summer of 2019, said, I'm delighted to have this new role, which I see as an evolution and consolidation of the way we've been working. We're making good progress in all areas of our men's, women's and academy, and we are all excited about what can be achieved. Official Programme Pin Badge On Boxing Day, we launched a brand new programme product, our official pin badge, created exclusively for our readers. These badges are available for £3 only when you buy a programme at Emirates Stadium on match day. And we think they look amazing. They're 12-sided and feature very traditional elements such as the ermine motif and adaption of the Art Deco crest, alongside using the club's new typeface for the wording North London Forever. If you love old-school memorabilia with a modern twist, you will want one of these limited-edition pin badges. Ref Watch Today's referee is Andrew Madley from West Yorkshire, who is officiating his first Arsenal match this season. His previous Gunners game was our 1-0 win at Villa Park last season and the only other Arsenal match he's refed was a very special one for Eddie Nicotia when we beat Norwich 2-1 in the League Cup thanks to two late Eddie goals in 2017. Congratulations Laura. Laura Vien-Rotier has been voted by our supporters as our Women's Player of the Month for November. The fullback edged out Leah Walty to top spot by just 1% of the votes, collecting 35% of the total, with Katie McCabe coming in third place. It's Laura's first POTM since she joined the Gunners, and it was certainly a memorable month for our Austrian defender, who scored her first Gunners goal in style with a volley in front of the North Bank against Manchester United. As usual, she also put in a host of tackles, blocks and interceptions down the right wing for our defensive unit during some typical all-action displays in both the Women's Super League and the UEFA Champions League. NMR Shirts for Young Role Models The No More Red initiative launched in January 2022 with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference. And at this evening's game, Elisa and Joss will become the latest recipients of our special No More Red shirts. Elisa has been a young ambassador for Islington-based mentoring CIC Jigsaw for the past three years. She has demonstrated commitment and passion for supporting her peers and advising other young people on how to reach out and gain support. She trained to become a peer mentor in 2022 and is seen as a community champion by local young people. Elisa is a very talented individual who uses her creative talents such as photography and public speaking at events in the community to positively engage other young people. 
Josh is youth club mentor at local youth organisation Copenhagen Youth Project. He takes on a number of responsibilities such as organising activities for other young people, providing a positive influence within his peer group and looking after the sports equipment. Josh organises weekly indoor sports competitions including pool, FIFA and table tennis. We're proud of the progress that Josh has made since first registering with Copenhagen Youth Project two years ago. He was initially in the process of leaving school when he began working with the Employability and Enterprise Worker at CYP to complete courses in maths and English before enrolling on his CSCS card. Josh is now working as a trainee carpenter and is still committed to his youth volunteer position, volunteering two evenings a week. Herbert Allen Everyone at Arsenal was sad to hear about the passing of Herbert Allen, who was a commissioner at Highbury for many years, aged 89. Bert, as he was affectionately known around the club, was well respected by the board, players, fans and everyone who worked at Arsenal. He knew all of them by name and was much loved. Bert started his service at Highbury in 1986 and spent 20 years with the club. He was a lifelong Arsenal supporter, along with his three sons, David, Stephen and Lawrence. He became good friends with players, board and managers. He was both commissioner at the front of the marble halls and also in the director's box. They all knew Bert on first-name terms. Through his work as a commissioner, Bert also became good friends with Frank Sinatra, whom he met several times at the Royal Albert Hall. He leaves behind his wife, Avis, who would like to say thank you for all the good wishes sent to the family. Rest in peace, Bert. Meet the mascots. Tonight's home mascot is Edward, aged 11 from Wickford, Essex. His favourite players are William Saliba, Kieran Tierney and Gabriel Jesus. The away mascot is Sam, who is from Newcastle and is celebrating his eighth birthday today. Happy birthday, Sam, and we hope you both have a great day. Notice board. Totalizer, £320. JL, happy 31st birthday to a lifelong passionate gooner from a very proud mom. Jenny, kiss, kiss, kiss. Hope you had a great birthday, Phoebe, from dad, mum and Freya. Dream big. Welcome Lessie to your first game at Emirates. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Good luck in Australia, Will Cook. Forever Arsenal. We're top of the league. With love from all the family. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy two years, Archie. I'll love you forever. Love, Jasmine. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Jacob, a big happy fifth birthday. We hope you enjoy the game. Love, Mammy, Daddy and big sister, Dana. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy tenth birthday to my junior gunner, Daniel Hall. Have a fantastic day. Arsenal for life. Love, Dad. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Arsenal remembers. Keith Henderson, October 18th, 1954 to October 20th, 2022. Keith from Chingford was an original member of the East Sussex Arsenal Supporters Club when formed in 1995 and didn't miss a match home, away or Europe in 25 years. Missed by Diana, Eric, family, friends and fellow Gooners in ESASC. Paula Rainsford, 
age 54, who passed away on October 30th, 2022. A season ticket holder for 20 years, she loved the Arsenal, missed by all who knew her, R.I.P. George Spears passed away December 12th, 2022, age 79. A true Arsenal fan raised in Islington who watched, debated and disagreed with his Tottenham supporting son-in-law for 25 years. Sadly missed by wife Philomena, children Phyllis, Justine and Michael and their grandchildren Tom, Sean, Joe, Erin, Rose and Jesse. R.I.P. Teresa Barnes. With much sadness, Teresa passed away on October 2nd, 2022. She gave lots of her time following Arsenal around the world, had been a season ticket holder for over 50 years and loved this team. Mickey Knowles. R.I.P. to many people's hero, the greatest North London man and fan of Arsenal. Sleep easy and rest in peace. Terence Main passed away December 6, 2022, aged 79. Terry was a lifelong Arsenal fan from Dorking and a cricket lover. He loved nothing more than watching Arsenal and his sons and grandsons playing cricket. Michael McTurner a lifelong gooner and season ticket holder for over 20 years at Highbury, who sadly passed away on November 23rd, 2022. Thanks for the memories. You'll be forever missed. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Shirley Matin, August 24th, 1935 to December 17th, 2022. A lifelong Arsenal fan and loving mother, mother-in-law, grandmother and friend. Forever in our hearts. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal versus Manchester United. Premier League. Sunday, January 22nd. Kickoff, 4.30pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange Service up until 1.30pm on Sunday, January 22nd. Booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Arsenal versus Brentford. Premier League. Saturday, February 11th. Kickoff, 3pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver Cannon Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange Service up until 12pm on Saturday, February 11th. Booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Arsenal vs Man City Premier League Wednesday, February 15th, kick-off 7.30pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver Cannon Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange Service up until 4.30pm on Wednesday, February 15th. Booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Arsenal vs Bournemouth, Premier League, Saturday, March 4th, kick-off 3pm. Tickets will go on sale to Silver, Silver Cannon, Silver Senior, JG and Disability Access members at 10am on Thursday, January 5th. An allocation of tickets will also go on sale to Red, Red Cannon and Red Senior members at 10am, Wednesday, January 18th. Booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Away tickets. Oxford United vs Arsenal. FA Cup, third round, Monday, January 9th, kick-off 8pm. Kassam Stadium. This game sold out to Platinum, Gold and current Travel Club members with 45-plus away points. Tottenham Hotspur, Premier League, Sunday, January 15th, kick-off 4.30pm. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 
This game sold out to Platinum, Gold and Current Travel Club members with 25-plus away points. Sustainability. Bore Lionesses in Profile. As we mentioned in the West Ham programme, as great advocates for women's football here at Arsenal, we were thrilled to get word from Bore that the women in the village closest to our Arsenal forest were keen to set up their own team for the very first time. And with the help of kit supplied by us, the Bore lionesses have been born. As promised, we've sourced profiles of a few of our fantastic lionesses to feature here. We start with Nima Kombe, a 16-year-old goalkeeper who's still at school, where she loves mathematics. Nima has seven siblings. Nima Safari is also 16 and still at school, though she loves science. Nima is a box-to-box midfielder and she has five siblings. Irene Zero is a holding midfielder, 22 years old, and a self-employed tailor. Irene is from a very big family with five brothers and five sisters. Margaret Charo is the Lioness's left back and 21 years old. Margaret is currently looking for employment and has seven siblings. Alice Hare is our creative number 10, who is also creative in her work as she runs a salon. The 23-year-old also has a very large family with 12 siblings. Lastly, Pendo Raymond plays on the wing. She operates a food kiosk when not playing football and has nine siblings. It's great to get to know a few of the players in one of Arsenal's newest teams. We're proud of you, Lionesses. Five-star service. Back in November, we started to work on our annual carbon footprint assessment. The carbon footprint is a vital starting point for our push towards reducing our emissions and our environmental impact. Carbon footprint is a much-used term, but what does it actually mean and what does it do? It is a way for us to measure our impact upon the world in environmental terms. It is split into three scopes or categories. These scopes identify different parts of the business for us to focus on for the data collection. Scopes 1 and 2 are the easy ones. They are where we find the gas and electricity consumption figures. Now scope 3 is where it starts to get interesting and complex as it represents everything else. Everything that is an indirect emission. So we have been gathering data from all across our club, ranging from merchandise sold in our stores and online to the way the players travel to games. We look at how goods and services which are provided to the club get to our sites and the impact of the transport and materials used and how the waste is removed. We have a fantastic following of fans from all across the world who support the team home and away. This year we have been looking at the journeys it takes to get our loyal fans to support the team. And it's not just our fans who travel to support Arsenal. Staff who make the match days at Emirates Stadium such incredible events, the staff at the training ground and the youth academy, not to mention the coaches and scouts, all impact the environment. All this information and data is being gathered and processed by our friends at Carbon Responsible. It is crucial that we understand where we are so we can start to reduce our emissions and make sure that we, the Arsenal family, are as sustainable as possible. 
We know changes must be made, and we are looking forward with great enthusiasm and typical Arsenal determination to taking on this challenge. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal forest. More than 20,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Net Zero Heroes Every programme we hear how a member of the Arsenal women's squad is thinking about sustainability. Close to Christmas, of course, we thought we should hear from Swiss defender midfielder Noel Maritz, who we can guarantee was making sure all the festive packaging was being recycled. I always separate all of my rubbish to make sure that every bit of plastic goes into the recycling, says Noel, who has played for Switzerland 96 times. Like many people, I've been impacted by some of the programmes on TV that have highlighted just how damaging plastic can be to the environment, so it's important it is recycled to make sure it doesn't end up affecting wildlife. That's great to hear, Noel. Your example will inspire others to redouble their recycling. Thank you, fans. We are so proud to be able to say that over 20,000 trees have now been planted in Boré, the official number purchased by the Arsenal Football Club and you, the fans, was 20,125 as of December 21st. As we mentioned in a previous programme, this now represents a plantation the size of 11 Emirates football pitches, which we think is pretty amazing. In all, 4,625 trees have now been bought by fans, and we are hugely grateful for your generosity and proud that so many of you have decided to join us on this sustainability journey and, of course, help so many people in the community of Boré. But we are close to a couple of other milestones which we'd love you to help us tick off. Firstly, it would be great if we could get the fan forest numbers up to 5,000, which feels like an achievable aim in the next few months. And before we hit that number, it looks very hopeful that we have a 100 supporters who have joined us in the forest project. We have currently had 98 fans buy trees. Let's make it 100 as soon into 2023 as possible. Player Feature Inspirational Holding We speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. From Stalybridge Celtic Juniors to the Bolton Academy and Arsenal First Team, Rob Holding's father has been there every step of the way. Now Rob is a seasoned Premier League player with nearly 10 years of experience as a professional. 
His footballing relationship with his dad has obviously changed, but as Rob explains, he remains a major source of inspiration. When Rob Holding made the move from Bolton to Arsenal back in 2016, his father Stuart, in particular, was bursting with pride. Holding Senior had been there every step of the way in young Rob's career, from his early days at Stalybridge Celtic Juniors and the Bolton Wanderers Academy. To making his senior debut while on loan at Berry, Stuart Holding was present, driving his son to and from training to matches, and always available to offer words of support and encouragement when needed. So, when Arsene Wenger brought the defender to Arsenal nearly seven years ago, when Rob was still twenty and with just one season of league football behind him, it was a huge source of pride for everyone in the Holding household. But it was also something of a watershed moment for Holding Senior. His son was heading to London, taking a huge next step in his career, and those regular chats about football would inevitably become more infrequent as Stuart stayed in Manchester. He's been there with me literally from day one. Rob explains, talking through everything with me, and then all of a sudden I move to London, and that link is broken a bit. In fact. I don't think he's watched me train since I was about fifteen or sixteen. He's watched the footage the club put out on social media and things like that, but he's not come down to watch me at Colney. We've never done that. He comes to the games when he can. He was down for a couple of the Europa League games at the Emirates, and obviously he follows me as much as he can when I'm playing. Rob adds, "We still do talk about football together, but obviously not as much." When I was at Bolton, we used to finish the games and then have a long drive home. So the two of us were just sat in the car chatting about the game all the way home. But when I moved down to London seven years ago, he stayed in Manchester. So we don't have that window where we always talked about the game. Now I often get home from games and try to relax. But if he calls, we'll talk about the game maybe and how I've done. To be fair, it was difficult for him at first when I came here. Because he felt like he was out of the loop a bit, I'm sure that was more of a struggle for him, having always been there with me during my childhood and early days in football. We have that nice balance now, though, because we talk about it, but at the right times. So, although the link is broken a bit, in Rob's words, he says he will always be grateful for the support and sacrifices his dad made to get him started in football in the first place. Absolutely, he states. My dad and my granddad, as well, to be honest, were the first to ever inspire me in football because it was them who used to drive me to training and all the games when I was starting out. It was a fifty-minute drive to Bolton from where we lived in Manchester at the time, and they were always right behind me and supportive when I was growing up. So they were my inspiration. I was never someone who needed much motivation to get to training and play football every day. When I got home from school every day, I was always like. Right, let's get to training. Let's get to Bolton. I had that motivation to go. I always wanted to train and play football. It was more a case of channeling my energy towards football. I had the enthusiasm, and my dad and granddad were really keen to take me too. So there were never any arguments about it. It probably helped that football has always run in the family for the Holdings. Rob's father and his father's father were both promising players in their youth. In fact, his grandfather Derek. Was very close to becoming a pro with Blackpool until fate intervened. My dad and my granddad both played a bit of football themselves. My dad played when he was in the army, and my granddad played for the navy team. He could have been a pro actually, 
but he signed up for the Navy just before he was offered a pro contract. His dad, my great-granddad, was putting pressure on him to do something with his life, so he signed up with the Navy, but only a couple of days later, Blackpool got in touch to offer him a contract. It was too late then, though, he'd already joined the Navy. He had to leave it, so the timing wasn't great. So yes, there is a bit of football talent in the family, although it probably skipped a generation with my dad. Big Stu won't mind me saying that, I'm sure. Talent certainly didn't skip this generation. After working his way through the youth ranks at Bolton, Rob made his senior debut while away on loan at Berry at the age of 19, before signing his first pro contract. The 2015-16 season was his breakthrough. He made his Bolton debut, the club he joined at the age of seven, in the League Cup against Burton Albion in August 2015. He then played 26 times in the Championship and was voted as their player of the season before making his England under-21 debut. Throughout Rob's development, his dad was a constant source of inspiration and motivation for him. In fact, he was something of a frustrated coach on the sidelines. Yes, you could say that, Rob laughs. In fact, we used to end up arguing in the middle of the game when I was on the pitch because he'd be trying to tell me this and that. I'd be saying, Dad, let me play the game. But it was only because he was so into it. Eventually, we realised it would be better if he watched the game from the other half of the pitch to where I was playing. He was too far away from me to interfere then. I remember when I made my debut for Bolton, I always knew where he was sitting so I could look over and see him. He would give me a thumbs up or something to let me know I'd done something right. Or he would say something like, get tighter to my man, be more aggressive. So I've always had that support from him. Now, obviously, I don't see him so much at the games, but when I was breaking through, it was like being back with the under-18s because I always knew where he was in the stadium. I remember that Bolton debut well, actually. I was obviously nervous, but at the same time I was inspired to have a good game and my dad was telling me the importance of making a strong first impression. Any debut is like that. My Arsenal debut was the same. We know what football fans can be like. They will make an instant judgement and make up their mind about you quickly. There's just one chance for that first impression. Then you might need to play six times after that to change their mind. Rob's early performances in an Arsenal shirt certainly helped endear him to the Emirates faithful early on. In fact, after just his second appearance, in a goalless draw away to Leicester, Arsene Wenger famously suggested that the media would have been much more fulsome in their praise if he had cost £55 million instead. Rob was 20 when he signed, and he admits that he was inspired by the stature and history of the club when he arrived. Arsenal is obviously a massive name, and knowing that Arsene Wenger is the manager who wants to sign you means a lot, he says. That was inspirational for me, being wanted like that, and it maybe took me aback a bit. But then you realise that you have to believe in yourself, say to yourself, yes, I can go there and play and prove myself. I'm still here seven years later, so I must have done something right. When I arrived, I had no idea at all what it was going to be like at Arsenal. No idea at all what to expect. I knew Callum Chambers from the England under-21s. We had played together before at a tournament the previous summer, and he was telling me that it was a really well-run club, family-orientated, and that settled me down a bit. But you never really know until you go there what it will be like. It was exactly how Callum described it, though. He adds, everyone couldn't have been more welcoming.
Now Rob is one of the longest-serving players at the club, aged 27 and an established Premier League player with more than 150 Arsenal appearances to his name. It's now down to him, he says, to ensure that the club's traditions and family spirit live on, helping to instil the Arsenal way in the new players who join. You can sense in new players the sheer size of the club and the name Arsenal has when they sign, he says. How you cope with stepping into that is crucial because there is a lot of pressure that comes with that. So what I do with people that sign is keep up that feeling that I had when I arrived of being welcomed. There were never any issues in the changing room when I joined. There were some big personalities and big players there, like Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil, but they were always great with me. I arrived as a 20-year-old from Bolton Wanderers, and I'm sure they had never even seen me kick a ball before. Then the next thing I know, I'm there getting changed next to Alexis Sanchez, but there was never any sense of, who's this guy? They were so nice, chatty and welcoming, and it's important that carries on. Now I look at the team, everyone is 23 or 24, and I'm 27, so it's my turn to set that example, speak to the new players about things, and how it works at Arsenal. Rob finishes by revealing a recent exchange with his ex-teammate Alexandra Lazaket, which serves to underline how calling himself an Arsenal player continues to inspire him. The Frenchman spent five years with Rob at Arsenal before leaving in the summer, and the two were reunited briefly earlier this month when we played against Lyon in the Dubai Super Cup. Yes, I saw Lacquer a couple of weeks ago, he says, and we spoke about what it's like there compared to Arsenal. Lyon's his home club, of course, and he knows it really well, but he was telling me how much he loved his time at Arsenal. Actually, a couple of months ago, he texted me to tell me to enjoy my time at Arsenal because it's a step above everywhere else. He'd said to me to stay at the club if you can because the grass isn't always greener elsewhere and to enjoy being at a club like Arsenal. It was really nice to hear that from someone at a different club. Foundation Voice The Arsenal Foundation helped Helda Silva, one of our longest-serving Arsenal amputee footballers, represent England at the Amputee World Cup this year. Here's how he and the Three Lions got on. My second Amputee World Cup took place in Istanbul, Turkey, across September and October 2022. The competition welcomed 24 nations in total, and this was another major tournament for England, who finished fifth at Euro 2020 after being knocked out in the quarter-finals. Before that, we had the last World Cup in 2018, in which we finished in sixth place. We set off for Istanbul with the youngest squad in the whole tournament, a squad full of young cubs coming through the ranks of the junior programme with the EAFA. Despite that slight lack of experience, we had high expectations for the tournament, and there was a real sense of togetherness and a great team spirit within the squad. In our group, we had USA, Indonesia and Argentina. We lost 1-0 in the opening game against the USA, won 3-0 versus Indonesia and lost 3-2 versus Argentina, which meant we finished in third place in the group. We qualified for the last 16 as one of the best third-place teams in the group stage. We then had the huge task of facing the defending world champions, Angola. We fought with all our strength but lost 1-0 to a goal on the second half of extra time. We were knocked out in the round of 16, but we could hold our heads high. Despite the fact we could no longer lift the trophy, we still had games to play, 
because a lack of international matches throughout the regular season means every team needs to finish in a specific position to decide the world rankings. At this point, the highest we could achieve was ninth place. First, we beat Poland 3-0, then we faced Japan and won 2-0. In the final playoff game, we faced Argentina again, and we took revenge for the group stage defeat by winning 4-3. So we're now ninth in the world rankings, and the third best team in Europe. It's a huge achievement taking into consideration we were the youngest team, and that we're not professionals. We don't receive any support from the FA to represent England. Each player and member of staff have their own full-time jobs, and we represent England in our free time as volunteers. Then each player had to raise £1,000 for travel, accommodation, food and training equipment. We depend heavily on donations to run the amputee football programme, and this is where the Arsenal Foundation is so important to me. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to play football and represent England. The future is looking bright because this group of young cubs turned into lions in these two weeks together in Istanbul. There are high expectations for what this group can achieve in the future and, with the right support, great things will come. For more information on amputee football in England, visit www.theafa.co.uk. Minutes detail. Since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In this series, we choose one memorable goal per minute. Today, we are looking at four more, including the last ever scored during the Arsene Wenger era. Nicolas Pepe, Arsenal 3, West Brom 1, May 9, 2021. AFC PL goals in 35th minute, 26. Nicolas Pepe's earlier goal on this list was with his right foot after cutting in from the left flank. This one is from the more frequent method of the Ivorian drifting in from the right onto his lethal left boot. Callum Chambers gave him the ball on the wing and Pepe brought it just into the area. Then, shifting the ball onto his left foot, he took aim and powered his shot into the top corner, just under the bar, with a mixture of power and precision, giving Sam Johnston no chance. Thierry Henry Norwich City 1, Arsenal 4, August the 28th, 2004 AFC PL goals in 36th minute, 22 The Sky Sports commentary sums it up best. There's times in football matches where you just got to hold your hands up and say, that's just a brilliant goal. The move started with Seth Fabregas exchanging passes with Laurent on the overlap. Fabregas then played a quick pass inside to Thierry Henry and dummied the return pass to Freddy Lundberg, whose cross was headed in by Henry from the penalty spot. The incisive passing had pulled Norwich out of shape, and the Invincibles were 2-0 up on their way to making it 44 league games unbeaten. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Arsenal 5, Everton 1, February 3, 2018. AFC PL goes in 37th minute, 18. Three days after becoming the club's record transfer and just 37 minutes into his debut, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang opened his Gunners account. Incredibly, the Gunners were already 3-0 up by the time Oba got his first, 
and it was set up by fellow new signing Enrique Mikatarian. He slipped the ball through to the advancing Aubameyang into the area, leaving him one-on-one with Jordan Pickford. The striker finished first time with a dinked finish over the keeper in front of the clock-end supporters. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Huddersfield Town nil, Arsenal 1, May 13, 2018. AFC PL goals in 38th minute, 18. Another from Ober's first season, but this one is here for its significance to the Arsene Wenger era. It was the last goal of his reign. This was game number 1,235 for Arsene, and Ober's goal late in the first half was the 2,298th we scored in that time. Suitably, it was a well-constructed team goal, with Henrique Mkhitaryan and Alex Lacazette swapping passes before feeding Aaron Ramsey out wide. His low cross into the middle was met first time by Aubameyang, who converted from close range to seal win number 716 under the club's most successful boss. Community Voice Project Shape Up Men's Weight Management Programme Established September 2022 Participants since starting 60 Weekly participants 50 Sessions Shape Up courses run for 12 weeks 3 times per year January, February and September starts Available to Men aged 18 to 65 with a BMI of 27.5 or above. More information. Arsenal.com forward slash community forward slash what dash we dash do forward slash health or email Reese Radcliffe R. Radcliffe at arsenal.co.uk Kevin is a 64-year-old from Camden who has seen great results from taking part in the Shape Up programme. I first heard about the programme from my local GP practice as they thought I might be a suitable candidate for the scheme. I was only aware of how well the Arsenal team was doing this season and none of its community delivery. I had reached the stage where I wanted to do something to lose weight but I didn't know the best way forward for me. When I received the invitation to attend the programme, it seemed to be the perfect opportunity. It was a no-brainer. At the time, I was feeling less confident with physical tasks such as lifting and gentle jogging. I had thought it was because I was getting older, but now I see it was really much more because I was overweight and unfit. The first time I went, it was a very welcoming atmosphere. I felt that I had much in common with others in the group. Everyone seemed to be at a very similar stage in needing to lose weight and get fitter. I never thought I would have enjoyed the boxing exercises, but it was great fun, and we didn't actually hit each other. Walking football was much more exciting than I would ever have imagined. It felt like being a teenager again. There is a real sense of camaraderie in the group that helps us to keep going. I look forward to building on our friendships after the course. One of the participants in our group has arranged for us to play walking football on a weekly basis starting in January. The Arsenal staff have been very inspirational and encouraging. 
The presentations that they give each week are very informative and delivered expertly in an engaging manner that encourages group discussion. Plus, the physical exercises they give us are highly varied and great fun. No activity is made to feel overwhelming and great care is made to ensure the participants exercise safely throughout. It has made me feel much younger, more agile, and it boosted my confidence in physical activities. It has been rather good for my self-esteem, and Shape Up has certainly put me onto a different trajectory. It's up to me now to keep on track. Although this may seem rather obvious, the most satisfying aspect is the process of being patient and then seeing the effect of small changes building up gradually each week eventually leading to substantial change and a nice surprise at the end of the course. After leaving my hometown to try and make my way in the world, Arsenal gives me a sense of belonging in London. Just grab the opportunity if it's given. It's very enjoyable. You won't regret it, and it will probably change your life for the better. It has made me feel much more positive about the future. Young Gun, Hubert Gracik, born Skrzyna, Poland, February the 28th, 2003, joined Arsenal, 24th of August, 2017, position, goalkeeper, school, St. Thomas More, height and weight, 6 feet 1 inch, 80 kilograms, squad number, 53. Rate yourself, out of 100. Handling, 80. Reflexes, 85. Distribution, 85. Strength, 80. Interview by Josh James. I have just got back from the mid-season training camp in Dubai with the first team squad, and it was such a great experience for me. I was one of three young goalkeepers out there with Carl Hine and James Hilson before Matt Turner and Aaron Ramsdale returned from the World Cup. Being involved like that is something you aim for. It's part of being integrated into the squad. I know I've got a long way to secure my place here, but it's a really good step to take, training with the first team every day for a longer period. It was a great experience. Obviously, the keepers are always together, but a few of the first team players like Rob Holding, Kieran Tierney and Alex Zinjenko were great with me too. Everyone is really welcoming, though, and it's a really good group of players that bond together. The main difference between going away with the first team compared to being with the under-21s is that they travel on planes and we usually get the coach. But no, to be honest, it's pretty similar. The routines are the same, and it's what we've been brought up with already in the academy. In the sessions, though, the level is sharp, very sharp. I think Martin Odegaard is probably the sharpest player I've seen in my career so far. What he does in training is just a joke. I'm telling you, it's a joke. I don't know how he does it, but he sees the whole game so quickly. All of them are quality, of course, and every detail is there every time. Maybe with the under-21s we miss things occasionally, but with the first team everything is looked at. When you receive the ball, they never stand still and always try to help you out in possession. It makes your job easier. In the sessions out there, we worked on everything. 
the keepers always go out early to get our work done, about twenty or thirty minutes before the others, and then we join in with the rest of the squad. We helped the strikers pretty much every day. Then there might be a phase of play where we don't see the ball for five minutes, which is a long time in a session. So you have to switch on and work on concentration. That one moment you switch off could cost you. There were a couple of friendly games out there too, and it was inspiring to see Carl play so well. He was incredible in that Lyon game, and that was even before saving four penalties in the shootout. For me, seeing how Carl has pushed his performance so far to make the staff let him play a couple of games, and obviously making his debut against Brighton, it's great to see. As a goalkeeper, it's usually a longer journey. So for him to do it at that age, it shows anyone can get a sniff. We all get on well too with the coaches as well. Terry Mason was head of the under-21 keepers last year, and he's now transitioned to the first team, which is great for us young keepers. He's made it a smooth transition for us too, and he knows what we can do. Inaki is very good too. You can have a really honest conversation with him, and he will tell you what he thinks. What I'm particularly working on at the moment is dealing with crosses. That's a big one for me. I'm not the biggest goalkeeper. I'm six feet one inch, which is on the smaller side for a keeper. They have told me to be bold, go for it, and they are always pushing me to go higher and higher. There were some World Cup matches on while we were away, and I obviously watched them, looking mainly at the keepers. Wojciech Szczesny did really well for Poland. He's one I always look to anyway. My dad's a big Arsenal fan. All my family are Arsenal fans. I grew up an Arsenal fan, so it was always Wojciech and Lukasz Fabianski I looked at. Another ex-Arsenal keeper, Emi Martinez, did well for Argentina too. I was impressed with the Croatian keeper as well, Guillermo Ochoas for Mexico as well. Of course, he always turns up for the World Cup. Now we're back in the UK, and I want to carry on what I'm doing. I think I'm playing the games pretty well, so let's see what it brings. I want to keep developing, and I know that whatever the right next step is for me will come. The few weeks I've had with the first team will give me loads of confidence for the second half of the season. It's massive for me. Whenever you are around the first team, it gives you a boost, and you just want to get better and better. The past, favorite Arsenal player of all time, Robin van Persie, earliest Arsenal memory, chanting Jack Wilshere's name at a home game, football memory that makes me smile. Training with the first team. One piece of advice I would give my younger self: keep pushing your limits. Best subject at school: maths. Player who made me fall in love with football: Ronaldinho. My position growing up: goalkeeper or CDM. The present. Favorite rising baller: Miles Lewis Skelly. Favorite YouTuber: Danny Arons. Hardest working teammate, Catalin Sejan. Most skillful teammate, Alex Kirk. Favorite training drill, saving shots from angles. Favorite music artist, Fifty Cent. The future, I would be a better player if I wasn't so relaxed.
If I could play in any other country, Spain. One trophy I would love to win, the Champions League. My dream first team number, one. Around the academy, young gunners shine in Brazil. A squad comprising players from our under-16 and under-17 sides jetted off to Brazil for 10 days in December to compete in the Flamengo under-16s Adidas Cup. First-year scholars Seb Ferdinand, Harrison Dudziak, Noah Cooper and Kobe Small were among the first-year scholars who took part in fixtures against Flamengo, Atletico Mineiro, Independiente del Valle and Colo Colo. Under-16 head coach Adam Pilling was delighted with the tour and the invaluable experience provided to our young gunners. The tour to Rio was brilliant and will live long in the memories of all the staff and players who went, he said. The trip afforded our players loads of experience that aligned to our academy mission of developing strong young gunners. We played some top-level teams from across South America, visited the amazing sights of Rio, including Christ the Redeemer and the Maracanã Stadium, and were hosted by the incredible CR Flamengo. We finished a respectable fifth out of eighth with a young team comprising of 2006, 7 and 8 born players from Hayland and Colney. We look forward to continuing our friendship with Flamengo and hopefully travelling over again next year to compete in the tournament. Winning start in FA Youth Cup Under-18 boss Jack Wilshire was delighted with his side's performance as we opened up our FA Youth Cup campaign with a comprehensive 6-0 win over Millwall on Monday, December 19th. First half goals from Jimmy Gower, Ethan Nwaneri, Mike Michael Rosiak gave us a commanding lead going into the break. We matched the tally in the second half as Amario Cozia Dubry's goal and a double from Amari Benjamin booked us a spot in the fourth round, where we would travel to Newcastle United. After the win, Will Shear expressed his pride at the performance. The boys deserve that. We've worked really hard the past few months, he said. We've had our ups and downs, we've been through difficult moments, and we've suffered in a few games. The commitment and the desire of the players to win really shone through, and I am proud of them. Cottrell is back with a bang. Ben Cottrell spoke of his joy at being back out on the pitch after a lengthy spell on the sidelines, and he capped his return with a goal as our under-21s drew 2-2 to Stoke City in their Premier League Cup on Sunday, December 18th. It's a great feeling to return to the side. It's tough being out of the side for so long, especially when you're in the gym training alone, he said. You live for these moments, and to get a goal on my return is brilliant, but it would have been a perfect day if we had been able to get the three points. Cottrell, playing his first game since adductor muscle surgery in January, brought us back on level terms in the second half with a fine low strike into the bottom corner. We took the lead shortly after through Joel Ledejo's audacious lob, but the host drew level two minutes from the end to claim a point. Despite conceding late, a point was enough for us to finish top of Group F in the Premier League Cup with one game left to play. Our final group stage game against Burnley is scheduled for January 18th at Meadow Park. Arsenal will then take part in the quarter-finals, a one-off game with extra time and penalties if required. Young Gunners spread festive cheer. Before Christmas, our under-18s made their way to St Albans and District Food Bank to spread some festive cheer by baking and decorating gingerbread and mince pies. 
The chair of St Albans and District Food Bank, Mark Pontin, was in attendance and spoke to our players about the vital work of food banks, especially during the festive period, and how their help would go a long way in helping local families during difficult times. Our young gunners relished their baking and decorating task, and there was even an element of friendly competition, in which our young winner, Romani Ford, came out on top as star baker on the day. The decorated gingerbread Christmas trees and mince pies were donated to the food bank for those in need during the holidays. The St Albans and District Branch is part of a nationwide network of food banks supported by the Trussell Trust. The food bank works to combat poverty and hunger across the UK by providing three-day, nutritionally balanced emergency food packages and support to local people in crisis. Arsenal Women Arsenal top group with Zurich win. The Gunners put the seal on reaching the Champions League quarterfinals for a record 15th time by thrashing FC Zurich 9-1 to top Group C on December 21st. The Gunners made a fast start and might have taken the lead in the first minute, only for Raphael to shoot straight at keeper Lourdes Romero from a dangerous free kick. And again in the third minute as Frieda Manham's corner pinballed around the Zurich six-yard box. There were barely five minutes on the clock when Jonas Eideval's side went close again, Romero saving from Katie McCabe before a thumping follow-up from Stina Blackstenius hit the Swiss goalkeeper in the face. The pressure was relentless, with Caitlin Ford's shot deflecting wide on ten minutes and McCabe just failing to find Manham in the box. Soon after that, Ford was bundled over on the edge of the area and the Gunners finally got the goal they deserved when Manham brilliantly arrowed the resulting free kick past Romero into the top corner. Zurich nearly forced their way back into the game, but missed the target, and the visitors were soon on the attack again, with Romero saving from Blackstenius and Williamson heading a corner over the bar. Those misses didn't prove costly, however, as Arsenal doubled their lead on 24 minutes when Blackstenius crossed from the right and Ford coolly clipped the ball past the keeper. It was one-way traffic after that, Manham hitting the crossbar with another free kick before making it 3-0 from Ford's through ball after a lightning counter-attack. Manham went close again with another free kick, then forced another save and rounded off the half by firing in a cross from the left that found Blackstenius six yards out and with Romero drawn towards the ball, the Swedish striker couldn't miss. That made it 4-0 at half-time, and there was no let-up after the break. Manham adding a fifth and completing her first hat-trick for the club by lashing home a fearsome drive on 51 minutes. And just three minutes later, it was six, Blackstenius collecting the ball on the edge of the penalty area and curling a sensational effort over Romero into the far corner. The Swede was now looking for her hat-trick and she flashed a short wide from wide on the right to the hour mark and Ford went close to doubling her tally only to be denied by Romero. In fact, it was the hosts who scored the next goal, skipper Fabienne Hum netting from the spot after Leah Williamson had unfortunately slipped and inadvertently brought down sub Serena Piobel in the process. 
Ford wasn't to be denied, however, and did get her second when she collected a loose back pass and poked the ball past the helpless Romero to make it 7-1, with more than 20 minutes still to play. And soon it was 8-1. Olivia was conceding a penalty when Steph Cately's cross struck her elbow and sub Kim Little marked her comeback by converting from the spot. Sub Mane Iwabuchi added a ninth when she collected Ford's clever pass and ran into the box before lashing the ball past Romero. And although the Gunners couldn't reach double figures, 9-1 was still a job very well done. Gunners face Villa in Cup. Arsenal will begin their Continental League Cup campaign with a home quarter-final clash with Aston Villa in January. The Midlands club reached the stage of the competition by topping a group that also included Manchester United, Everton, Durham and Sheffield United. The Gunners, who recently beat Carl Award's side 4-1 in the Women's Super League, did not take part in the group stage because teams competing in the Champions League automatically qualify for the last 16. Conti Cup quarter-final ties are scheduled to take place on January 25th or 26th. Dates and times will be finalised in due course. February fixtures to be shown live. Both of Arsenal's Women's Super League games in February will be shown live on Sky Sports, which has meant changes to the fixture details. Firstly, our match at West Ham United will take place on Sunday, February 6th, with kick-off at 6.45pm. And the following weekend, we will travel to Manchester City on Saturday, February 11th, kick-off at 12.30pm. All tickets purchased for the Manchester City fixture, as originally scheduled for September 11th, remain valid for the new date and time. However, supporters may contact Manchester City on plus 44 bracket zero bracket 161444 to request a refund if they can no longer attend the rescheduled game. It's Chelsea next. There's not long to go now until we're back in Women's Super League action here at Emirates Stadium and we want your support for our clash against reigning Women's Super League champions Chelsea on Sunday, January 15th. This will be our third Women's Super League game of the season at Emirates, where a record-breaking crowd of 47,367 watch Jonas Eideval's side defeat Tottenham Hotspur 4-0 in September. And then 40,064 turned out to see Manchester United edge an epic clash with two late goals in November. The match will kick off at 12pm and you can purchase tickets by scanning the QR code in the programme. Fixtures and results 16th September, Brighton and Hove Albion, home, WSL, 4-0. 20th September, Ajax, home, UCL, 2-2. 24th September, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL, 4-0. 28th September, Ajax, UCL, 1-0. 16th October, Reading, WSL, 1-0. 19th October, Lyon, UCL, 5-1. 23rd October, Liverpool, WSL, 2-0. 27th October, FC Zurich, home, UCL, 3-1. 30th October, West Ham United, home, WSL, 3-1. 6th November, Leicester City, WSL, 4-0. 
Nineteenth November, Manchester United, home, WSL, two three. Twenty fourth November, Juventus, UCL, one one. Third December, Everton, home, WSL, one nil. Seventh December, Juventus, home, UCL, one nil. Eleventh December, Aston Villa, WSL, four one. Fifteenth December, Lyon, home, UCL, nil one. Twenty-first December, FC Zurich, UCL nine one. Fifteenth January, Chelsea home, WSL. Twenty-second January, Brighton and Hove Albion, WSL. Twenty-ninth January, Leeds Stoke City, FAC. Fifth February, West Ham United, WSL. Eleventh February, Manchester City, WSL. Fifth March, Liverpool home, WSL. Twelfth March, Reading, home, WSL. Twenty-sixth March, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL. Second April, Manchester City, home, WSL. Twenty-third April, Manchester United, WSL. Thirtieth April, Everton, WSL. Seventh May, Leicester City, home, WSL. Twenty-first May, Chelsea, WSL. Twenty-eighth May, Aston Villa, home, WSL. The visitors, Newcastle. Thirty years of the Premier League. Games, one thousand and fifty. Wins, three hundred and ninety-one. Losses, three hundred and eighty-nine. Goals, one thousand four hundred and ten. Goals conceded: one thousand four hundred and twenty-eight. Seasons in the Premier League: twenty-eight. Highest position: second twice. Lowest position: eighteenth twice. Finished in the top half: eleven. Most appearances: Shea given three hundred and fifty-four. Most goals: Alan Shearer one hundred and forty-eight. The new year promises much for Newcastle United. Thanks to the club's newfound wealth and pulling power, made possible by the takeover fifteen months ago by a Saudi Arabia-led consortium, the famous Old Northeast club are set to challenge the established elite of English football for the top prizes. If they can carry their outstanding form of the autumn through the winter and spring, 2023 could be a special year for the Geordie faithful. If ever a fan base can be deemed to be long-suffering, it's Newcastle's. Hugely committed and passionate, the majority of their supporters have never seen their club win a major trophy. The last silverware of significance lifted by the Magpies was the old Intercities Fairs Cup in 1969. Their last domestic trophy was the FA Cup in 1955, and the last of their four league titles was way back in 1927. But maybe the times are about to change at St James's Park. Certainly, the possibilities are enormous, with Manchester City a prime example of the kind of transformation achievable with a huge injection of funds from rich foreign ownership. While ending that long trophy drought is the first priority, the prospect of returning to the Champions League, in which Newcastle last competed two decades ago, is for many no less appealing. Transfer activity at the club since the takeover has been predictably rife. Last January, they brought in four new players: Kieran Trippier, Chris Wood, 
Dan Byrne and Bruno Gumeris. And there was further heavy investment in the summer with the signing of Matt Target, Sven Botman, Nick Pope, and, for a reported club record £63 million, Alexander Isak. More significant arrivals can be expected this month as Newcastle strengthened their squad for the challenges ahead. After a 3-0 win at Leicester on Boxing Day, Newcastle hit the heights of second in the Premier League table. Their start to the season was characterised by a multitude of draws. In fact, after beating Nottingham Forest on the opening day, they failed to win any of the next six games, albeit losing only one, 2-1 at Anfield. But then came the surge up the table with seven wins and a draw in their next eight fixtures. The highlight, a 2-1 win at Tottenham. This evening, Eddie Howe's side returned to North London, eyeing a famous double. The boss, Eddie Howe, head coach, Born 29th of November 1977. Amersham. Previously, Bournemouth 2008-11. Burnley 2011-12. Bournemouth 2012-20. Eddie was appointed as Newcastle United's new manager, replacing Steve Bruce in November 2021 and already appears to be on the way to achieving a level of popularity in the northeast similar to that which he enjoyed down on the south coast with Bournemouth, where he is a legend both as a player and manager. A former defender who spent virtually his entire playing career in the Cherry's red and black shirt, he led the club as manager to three promotions and five successive seasons as a Premier League club, before their relegation in 2020. His ambitions for Newcastle are considerably loftier. Number 22. Wearing the gloves. Nick Pope, goalkeeper. Born, Soham, 19th of April, 1992. Previously, Charlton, Harrow, Lone, Welling, Lone, Cambridge United, Lone, Aldershot, Lone, York, Lone, Bury, Lone, Burnley. Cambridgeshire-born Nick joined Newcastle last June following Burnley's relegation to the Championship. He was a claret for six seasons, five of them as their number one goalkeeper, although he missed most of 2018-19 with a dislocated shoulder. The 30-year-old has made a good start at St James's Park and was included in England's World Cup squad in Qatar, having also been on the plane to Russia in 2018. He kept clean sheets in his first six internationals before missing Euro 2020 with a knee injury. Number 7. The Renaissance Man, Joel Linton. Midfielder, born, Alianca, Brazil, 14th of August 1996. Previously, Sporting Recife, Hoffenheim, Rapid Vienna, Lone. Signed from German side Hoffenheim after an impressive 2018-19 Bundesliga campaign for a reported club record fee of £40 million, Brazilian forward Joel Linton initially found the switch to English top-flight football something of a struggle. However, persistence and a switch of position from striker to midfielder has paid off and the 26-year-old was duly named Newcastle's 2021-22 Player of the Year. He scored his first goal of 2022-23 in a 4-0 home win against Aston Villa in late October, adding a second on Boxing Day in the win over Leicester. Number 9. The goal scorer, Callum Wilson, forward. 
Vaughan, Coventry, 27th of February 1992. Previously, Coventry, Kettering, Lone, Tamworth, Lone, Bournemouth. Callum became a Newcastle player in 2020, signing a four-year contract after six progressive seasons under Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, during which he scored 67 goals and became an England international. A proven Premier League marksman for the South Coast Club, he enjoyed a fine debut campaign at St James's Park, finishing as the club's top scorer with 12 goals and earned an England recall for the Qatar World Cup with six more Premier League strikes in the autumn. Number 28. The Arsenal Old Boy, Joe Willock, midfielder. Born Waltham Forest, 20th of August 1999. Previously Arsenal. Former gunner Joe left Emirates Stadium for St James's Park in August 2021, having enjoyed a brilliant half-season on loan to the Magpies, scoring eight Premier League goals in just 14 appearances. He managed just one for the Gunners in 40 league games, though he did play a part in the club's 2019-20 FA Cup win. The 23-year-old has featured regularly for Eddie Howe's side this term, and scored in successive games in November, the second of them a memorable 1-0 home win against Chelsea. Number 24, the Maverick, Miguel Almiron, midfielder, born Asuncion, Paraguay, 13th November 1993. Previously, Cerro Porteno, Lanus, Atlanta United. Miguel was one of the Premier League's leading attractions during the autumn scoring nine goals, including the third in the 3-0 Boxing Day win over Leicester and also winning the October Player of the Month award. Acquired for £21 million in January 2019 from MLS champions Atlanta United, the skillful left-footer arrived with a glowing reputation as an eye-catching dribbler and goalscorer. A Paraguay international, he was voted into the MLS All-Star team in each of his two seasons before becoming Newcastle's then most expensive purchase. Number 33. The tall guy. Dan Byrne, defender. Born Blythe, 9th of May 1992. Previously, Darlington, Fulham, Yeovil, Lone, Birmingham, Lone, Wigan. A giant left-footed defender, Dan returned home to his native northeast this time last year after three years at Brighton, where he repeatedly proved his Premier League credentials, having spent most of his career in the lower divisions. One of Albion's key men under Graham Potter, whether as a central defender or left wing-back, he has proved equally important to Eddie Howe at the club he supported as a boy, where he has predominantly operated as a conventional left-back. Number two. Talk of the tune, Kieran Trippier, defender, born Berry, 19th of September 1990. Previously, Man City, Barnsley, Lone, Burnley, Tottenham, Atletico Madrid. Now 32, former Burnley and Tottenham right-back Kieran is enjoying a new lease of life in the Premier League with Newcastle after spending two and a half seasons in Spain with Atletico Madrid where he won La Liga in 2020-21. Soon after joining the Magpies in January, he fractured a foot, 
but in the first three months of this campaign he started every Premier League game and went into the World Cup in Qatar as one of England's most talked about players. Number 39. The controller. Bruno Guimaraes. Midfielder. Born. Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. 16th November 1997. Previously, Audax, Atletico Paranese, Lyon. A member of Brazil's 2022 World Cup squad, though not their first 11, Bruno will celebrate the anniversary of his arrival at St James's Park later this month. He joined the club after two years in France with Lyon, where, despite scoring just three goals, he earned a reputation as a classy all-round midfielder with the ability to control the tempo of the game. He has been in impressive form this term, notably in a 5-1 home win against Brentford in which he scored a double. Scouting Report Words Michael Cox Photography Getty Images Newcastle United's improvement over the last year has been fuelled by new signings, but also by good organisation. Eddie Howe has created one of the most cohesive sides in the Premier League, packed with technical quality and clever combination play across the pitch. His side increasingly pressed well high up too. Howe exclusively uses a 4-3-3 formation, with the unpredictability coming from rotations down the flanks. Down the right, Miguel Almiron and Kieran Trippier have formed the best wide partnership in the league this season. Down the left, Newcastle's winger and left-sided midfielder often rotate positions intelligently. At their best, Newcastle are capable of outplaying anyone, and their thrilling 3-3 draw with Manchester City is perhaps the game of the Premier League season so far. One of their outstanding performers in that game was goalkeeper Nick Pope, who arrived from Burnley in the summer and immediately impressed in terms of shot-stopping. His distribution skills were initially less convincing, although he's improved in that respect during the season. In front of him, Sven Botman has been impressive at the back alongside Fabian Shaw, who is a good passer and capable of scoring spectacular long-range goals. Trippier has been outstanding at right back, not merely with his crossing and set pieces, but also his long-range passing in behind for runners. On the left, Dan Byrne plays a more cautious role, although overlaps energetically at times. Matt Target is another option. Bruno Guimaraes has made the deep midfield role his own. He can break up play and build attackers, but he's also capable of playing quick one-twos to push forward into attack. Sean Longstaff has generally played to the right and filled in when Gumeris pushes on, while the left-sided attacking midfielder is given more freedom. That could be either former gunner Joe Willock or converted striker Joel Linton, who looks much more comfortable in a box-to-box midfield role. That player often overlaps the left winger, particularly when that player is Jacob Murphy, who likes to cut inside and attempt to curl the ball into the far corner. Alain Saint-Maxime is a more direct dribbler who excels on the counter-attack. Joel Linton has sometimes been used there, while Ryan Fraser can offer creativity. On the opposite flank, Newcastle's star performer this season has been Miguel Almiron, who badly struggled for goals in his first couple of Premier League campaigns, but registered 7-7 at one stage earlier this season. 
His rise can partly be attributed to Trippier's arrival, allowing him freedom to cut inside. Callum Wilson's excellent form earned him a World Cup place, but he's now in competition with club record signing Alexander Isak for Newcastle's number nine spot. Isak has shown an ability to come towards play and link with Newcastle's midfield, although his trademark is using his speed to run in behind. He particularly likes a dinked finish. Wilson missed the game at Leicester on Boxing Day when another effective targetman, Chris Wood, deputised and opened the scoring from the penalty spot. Unhappy hunting ground. Newcastle United have suffered more defeats at Emirates Stadium than any other visiting site. They have lost 15 of their 17 visits to date, conceding 43 goals and scoring just seven in the process. Their only win here came back in November 2010, 1-0. Match action. Arsenal versus West Ham. Arsenal 3, West Ham 1. Arsenal scorers. Saka, 53rd minute. Martinelli, 58th minute. Nekataya, 69th minute. West Ham scorer. Ben Rama, penalty, 27th minute. Monday, December 26th, 2022, Emirates Stadium. Timeline. Fifth minute. Saka has the ball in the net, but it's ruled out for offside. 27th minute. Ben Rama scores from the spot after Saliba fouls Bowen. 45th minute. We're awarded a penalty which is then overruled by VAR. 53rd minute. Saka scores Cawley in the bottom corner. 58th minute. Martinelli fires home at the near post. 69th minute. Nekataya smashes in a superb third. Martin Odegaard. I felt good today. I think the whole team was good. I had some more rest than other players not being in the World Cup, so I think I've used that in a positive way, and I felt good. Facts. Bukayo Saka becomes the first player since Thierry Henry to score on three successive boxing days for us. This was only the second time we'd been behind in a Premier League match so far this season. Eddie Nekataya made it 11 goals from his last 11 starts at Emirates Stadium. We've never lost a home fixture on Boxing Day in Premier League history. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta Shirt, red with white sleeves. Shorts, white. Socks, red. 1. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Partey. 6. Gabriel Magalhães. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Gabriel Jesus. 10. Emil Smith-Rowe. 11. Gabriel Martinelli. 12. William Saliba. 14. Edion Kitia. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu. 21. Fabio Vieira. 23. Albert Sambi Lokonga. 24. Rhys Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 27. Marquinhos. 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper. 31. Carl Hine, goalkeeper. 
34. Granit Xhaka 35. Alexandra Zinchenko 83. Ethan Nwaneri For Newcastle United, head coach Eddie Howe Shirt, black and white stripes, shorts black, socks black 2. Kieran Trippier 3. Paul Dummett 4. Sven Botman 5. Fabian Char 6. Jamal Lascelles 7. Joe Linton 8. John Joe Shelby 9. Callum Wilson 10. Alain Saint-Martimain 11. Matt Ritchie 12. Jamal Lewis 13. Matt Target 14. Alexander Isaac 17. Emil Kraft 18. Loris Carrios, goalkeeper 19. Javier Manquillo 20. Chris Wood 21. Ryan Fraser 22. Nick Pope, goalkeeper 23. Jacob Murphy 24. Miguel Amiron 26. Carl Darlow, goalkeeper 28. Joe Willock 29. Mark Gillespie, goalkeeper 32. Elliot Anderson 33. Dan Byrne 36. Sean Longstaff 39. Bruno Guimarães Referee, Andrew Madley Assistant Referees, Lee Betts, Ian Hussein Fourth Official, Jared Gillett VAR Official, Stuart Atwell Additional VAR Official, Wade Smith Today's other fixtures, 7.45 unless stated Everton vs Brighton and Herve Albion Leicester City vs Fulham Manchester United vs Bournemouth at 8pm No Room for Racism The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. for racism anywhere. Arsenal and the rest of the Premier League will not tolerate racism anywhere, and we are taking action to combat all forms of discrimination. But we can all do more. Challenge it, report it, change it, and together we can make a positive impact. Visit premierleague.com forward slash no room for racism to find out more. Hashtag no room for racism. Challenge it, report it, change it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Premier League, Arsenal. Adidas.com slash Arsenal. Arsenal. Where we belong. Emirates. Arsenal official partner. Travel with peace of mind. Fly better.